The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Insights to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. Are you an executive or entrepreneur with something to say or something to sell? If so, and you want to use the magic of speaking, we have with us expert David Newman. David, welcome to the show. Hey, Joel. It's great to be here, buddy. Good to see you. Hey, thank you. Listen, so uh, I'm a professional speaker. You're a professional speaker. Explain first what a professional speaker is and then what we're going to be talking about, what other kind of people are involved here, because they're very different things. Sure, absolutely. Well, I remember there was a story in the New York Times that covered one of our National Speakers Association events, and the opening line was, there's a group of professional speakers, people who get paid to speak, and in parentheses, it said, who knew? Who knew? <laughs> so in case you don't know, a professional speaker is someone who gets paid to speak at corporations and associations and conferences, and there's some very well-known professional speakers that you might have run into at various events, people like Tony Robbins, Tom Peters, Gary Vaynerchuk, people like that. And of course, there's a whole bunch of unknown speakers who might be CEOs or executives or vice presidents of sales or marketing or business owners. And like Joel, you just said, they've got something to say or something to sell. And speaking, whether it's paid speaking or lead generating speaking, is a great way to get their message out there. And it's a great way to do one-to-many prospecting and even one-to-many selling. Well, let's, let's talk about that because the, uh, the concept of, uh, you know, we're, like right now, you and I, were talking one-to-one. And most uh, speaking is one-to-one, where one person speaks to one other person, or maybe you speak to a small group. The idea of speaking to one-to-many people is really uh, foreign to a lot of people. It makes people nervous. It reminds them of being in grade school or middle school or some other school and how they didn't like it. But, uh, you know, as, as a business person, you, you kind of need to have these elevated communication skills to be successful, right? Yeah, no, you absolutely do. Well, think of it as uh, Chet Holmes, who wrote a great book called The Ultimate Sales Machine. He says, every entrepreneur, every CEO needs a stadium speech. And the theory is you walk into a football stadium filled with your ideal prospects, people who you know you can help, who know you know your product or service is exactly what they want and what they need, but you have 10 seconds. You have 10 seconds to say, hey, everybody who wants to start a fund and you know, start a hedge fund and grow, you know, grow your business that way, 
come down to this corner. And then there, there they are with Joel Block. Hey, everybody who wants to monetize their expertise, come over here with David Newman. So we get the speakers, the consultants, the CEOs, et cetera. The stadium speech is what would you say once you've gathered those people in your corner, what would you say in the next five to 10 minutes that would get them excited, that would get them motivated, not just motivated to feel good and be inspired, motivated to get out their credit card and to do business with you, to buy your products, buy your services, invest in your company, buy your programs. And, and so it's a huge opportunity. Think of it as prospecting at scale. You know, because everything else, batch and blast, email, spamming the universe, 100 cold calls a day, that doesn't work anymore, Joel, as you well know. It's about laser targeting a very specific message for a very specific set of prospects that are your ideal best fit prospects, your highest probability prospects, but you don't have time to reach them one-on-one anymore. So one-to-many are things like webinars. One-to-many are things like this podcast. One-to-many is things like going out, shaking hands, kissing babies, and being in a room with the people that you want to influence, sharing your message, getting them to raise their hand and say, yes, I want me some of that. And that's what we mean by something to sell. The, the most well-known one-to-manys are TV, radio, the traditional media, but those are too expensive for many companies, many uh, entrepreneurial environments, many business people to utilize effectively. It's just too expensive. The other problem is that you have to get your message just right because if you're going to spend a million dollars, then you got to test it. you got to have focus groups. you got to do all sorts of things. But in a, in a live environment, uh, there's a lot more flexibility don't you think? Oh, for sure. For sure. And it also starts, you know, unlike TV and radio and all the traditional broadcast media, this can be narrow casting. This can be laser focused on an exact subset of people or executives or business owners or entrepreneurs that you want to do business with. But the other trick is, of course, you have to know these people better than they know themselves. You have to know what they want. You have to know what they fear. You have to know what gives them indigestion. You have to know their values. Uh, You have to know the impact and results and outcomes that they're working towards. You have to know their fears and liabilities and things that they really don't want. So we call this buyer persona research, knowing exactly what makes them tick. And then what you said about your message, totally spot on. You have to use the right words and the right language. So David Ogilvy, great advertising guru from the 1960s and 70s, he says the best advertising enters a conversation that the prospect has already going on in their mind. So if they're worried about their career and you've got a career offer, you have to use those words that they're thinking in their own head. Gosh, I hope I don't lose my job. I hope I can get a new job. This job really sucks. I'm so tired of this job search. I'm really exhausted, etc. Same thing with funds, same thing with sales, same thing with customer service, same thing with parenting or wealth management or anything that you're doing. What are your people complaining about and saying to themselves because that's the right language with which to reach them. You know, um, I love that. I loved using the advertising model. You know, what you call the persona, a lot of people call an avatar. 
So you get one certain person in mind. Like when I write an email, I write it to one person and I let it go to a bunch of people, you know, because if it's to one person and, and that helps me write better emails. And, you know, now I regularly, and, and this must happen to you too, come across people. They don't know what to say. They don't know how to say it. They're, they're clumsy. And I'm not talking about being great on stage. I'm just talking about, they just don't know what to say, period. Like I had somebody yesterday uh, and they were writing something that they were trying to put on Kickstarter and they were writing it all about how great they are. And, and I said, listen, this is just not going to work because people don't really care. They don't know you well enough yet to care about you. So what do I care about? Tell me what I care about. And then once I know you care about what I care about, then I'll start becoming a little more interested in you. How do people get sensitive to their audiences so that they can craft the right words? Hugely important. I know you write about this in your book. I've written about this in my book. In my book, the chapter is called Nobody Cares About You. And I think you've got a similar thing, if not the same identical thing in your book. Nobody cares about you. Nobody. So the first audit that you want to do is go to your website, go to your homepage, go to your LinkedIn profile, go to your any page on your website. I want you to count the number of times that you use the words I, me, my, we, or our, right? If you're a company of any size, you have we, our, et cetera. If you're a solopreneur, it's going to be the I, me, my language. Then I want you to count a different number. Count the number of times you use the words you, your, or customer, or client. And here's how to keep score. When people actually do this and they count, they are astounded at the, our company was founded in 1947 and we pride ourselves on our people and we have the best products and the best services and our 17 facilities around the country. Hello, hello, nobody cares about you. Not yet. All of that language and you flip it, or at least not yet, at least not yet. So what can you do to flip it to you? And I'll tell you one of my favorite headline formulas on the homepage of any website. So if if you're a speaker, let's say, speaker, consultant, expert, you might say, clients and audiences tend to hire Joel when they're experiencing one or more of the following. If you're a company, right, it's our customers come to us when they're experiencing one or more of the following. Bullet, 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 bullet. And you simply list out, Joel, all the things that are missing, funky, broken, and sad in their world where you can help them where you can improve their outcomes, you can move the needle on their results. As soon as someone reads that, and this is the highest compliment, I know you've gotten this on your website and your materials, I get this on my website and my materials, they say, Joel, I felt like you were talking to me. Yeah, I boy, saw your awesome. website, I saw your LinkedIn profile, and dude, you were singing my song. I had to pick up the phone and call you. <laughs> you know, uh, all of my marketing nowadays uh, for the last many years. I don't make any more cold calls. I find it to be very ineffective. People don't answer the phone anyway, but I like to do what I call raise your hand marketing and raise your hand means that somebody uh, reads the material, just like what you're talking about. And they like it so much, or they think it's going to be so helpful that they click on a link to my calendar and they put themselves on my calendar saying, Joel, I want to have an appointment to talk to you. Now, 
it's not open to just anybody. I mean, people have to qualify in. They have to, they, there are some guidelines. And it actually, as they're making the appointment, it tells them, you know, some things about what's going to happen. So they're, they're well advised about what's happening. And there are specific kinds of discussions. But when I call them at the convenient time that they've put on the calendar, uh, this is not a cold call anymore. I mean, all of a sudden now, now we're talking, you know, it's, it's been teed up very well. But that great marketing is what enables that to happen when you're uh, talking to somebody and somebody says, man, this is exactly what I need. The word exactly, very critical. This is exactly what I need. And then they reach out to you and, and off you go. And that's, uh, I've really found that. So people just, they, they need that formula. Would you say that formula again? Because they need it. I mean, most people just don't get it. I, I know it's powerful. Sure. So the headline formula is clients and customers tend to work with us when they're experiencing one or more of the following. And then you simply list a whole bunch of bullets of what does it look like when things are missing, funky, broken, sad. This isn't working the way it should. I'll give you a couple of, of, of bullets and nuggets here. So whatever your topic is, whatever your product or service helps to fix, you know that something is wrong with X, but you just can't quite put your finger on what it is. So that opens up all of the uncertainty, all of the doubt, all of the, oh my gosh, he's right. There is something wrong with my ex and I can't put my finger on what it is. Or uh, sometimes you want to think about restorative statements. A restorative statement starts with a reword. Things like reboot, regain, reimagine, reignite. Uh, the rewords have a built-in assumption that something is wrong. So when you say regain your foothold in the market as a preeminent company, well, that means you've lost it, right? Whatever you have to regain, you have lost. So a CEO might read that and go, huh, regain the preeminent position. Yeah, yeah, I have to regain the preeminent position in my marketplace. Reboot your corporate culture so that people are now refocused on performance and results instead of gossip, gab, the grapevine, and nonsense. Oh, refocus. Well, I must have lost my focus. Yes, you did, right? Uh, reignite. When reignite, what happens when you reignite? A flame has gone out. You've lost your mojo around sales or leadership or teamwork or product excellence or marketplace domination, right? Reignite the drive of your A players so they perform at their best again. Even the word again is a brilliant restorative statement, meaning it's not happening right now. So those kind of bullets will make people go, oh my God, where have you been all my life? I got to call this guy and bring him in. You know, and, and in my mind, the, the, what the prospect is, what they're saying to themselves is, that's exactly what I need. And when the person is thinking that's exactly what I need, uh, that, is, that is power right there, man. That is really power. So, uh, but, but what you said is, you know, companies tend to call us when they have this problem, dot, 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 and then you list it out. You called it a headline. That's not, that's like body. That's not headline, right? Well, I guess the, the, the header is uh, clients or customers tend to call us when, and then under that would be a series of bullets. He fills it in. Right. Yeah. Okay, I gotcha. Man, that, um, I love that. The other thing that I, you know, I always try to get people to think certain things. So that's exactly what I need is one of them. The other thing is the word I wonder. I try to get people to say, I wonder. 
you know, and that would be, you know, I wonder how they do that. I wonder what they're talking about. I want, you know, and when you kind of get people feeling a certain way, and remember, we're talking about giving people ideas to go on the platform with where, you know, partly there's marketing, but also we're talking about these uh, entrepreneurial and, and C-level people. And, and the other thing about the show is we always talk about the inside track, you know, which is really the best, smartest, fastest way to get anything done. If you want to be successful, taking the stage and doing a one-to-many kind of presentation where you're sharing your ideas and getting people to uh, talk to you or, or, or think your way, uh, these are some awesome ideas. I mean, you always have to be thinking, forget about yourself and think about what they're thinking. It's, it's really, you know, it takes a lot of maturity to be able to think about other people because, you know, the, when you're younger, you're thinking only about yourself as you get older. Uh, you think you have the ability to think, kind of defer some you know, getting people to think about you. Because I guarantee it, just like what you're saying, David, if you get thinking about them, they are going to be thinking a lot about you. And that's even, Joel, that's the definition of a trusted advisor. So we, we talk about trusted advisor marketing or even trusted advisor selling. The definition of a trusted advisor is someone who holds the client's interests above their own. So it's, it's the, the sales posture is, I'm not here to sell you, I'm here to help you. I'm here to serve you. I am here to get you from the destination where you are to the destination that you want to be. And that whole sales as service thing, I know that you believe in it fiercely. I believe in it fiercely. Um, anyone who's like, well, I can't really pitch. I can't really sell. I, I feel a little bit dirty being pushy and salesy. How do you feel about helping? How do you feel about serving? I mean, look at your best clients and customers and look at how they turned out on the other side of working with you. Don't you want to give that transformation to as many people as you possibly can? So when you invite people to do business with you, and that's what I call it, whether you're on the platform or doing one-on-one or LinkedIn or email or whatever, we simply offer value and invite engagement. And the engagement is, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about what you want. Let's talk about what you need. Let's talk about where you are today. Let's talk about where you want to go. Let's help you remove some obstacles in your path so that we can create a plan to get you where you want to go. And if your product or your service is the fastest, quickest shortcut to get them there, of course you want to talk about that. Of course you want to offer that to them. But that's not pitching and pushing. That is literally helping and serving And the little fish or the ones that don't get it or don't need it or don't want it, you throw little fish back in the water. They don't qualify for you. And I love what you said, Joel, about, you know, for people to make an appointment, there's certain criteria. I believe in an application-based business model. I believe that people need to apply to do business with you. Unless you're selling widgets or commodities or you know, laptops or something. If you're selling your smarts, and most of us are in the business today to some degree of selling our smarts, uh, we need to be filtering and sorting. Stop convincing and persuading that doesn't even work anymore and you hate doing it and they hate getting it. Please stop convincing and persuading. Today's marketing and today's sales conversations are about filtering and sorting and who you can help and who you want to help those are the people that will buy from you. Let me um, let me throw something here uh, out here. Uh, you know, I, I line up with everything you're saying. Uh, I think you know some people think selling is dirty. I think it is the greatest thing in the world. 
but I don't think of it as selling. I do think of it as helping. I do think of it as serving just exactly like what you're saying. Uh, in fact, I actually don't sell anything. I get people to buy from me. And, you know, I, I just, I really, I think at the end of the day, that business is very simply about solving somebody else's problem. Whatever problem they have, you solve the problem, they give you some money because they want to make that problem go away. The bigger the problem, the more they pay. That's kind of the way it works. And, you know, one of the things I, I say often is that it's well known that businesses do not have problems. No business has problems. They have expenses. And they have expenses because uh, if you got a lawsuit, you hire an attorney, you throw some money at it, problem goes away. That's it. They don't have problems. Uh, if something's broken, uh, your faucet's broken, that's not a problem. You call a plumber, throw some money at it, problem goes away. Now, people, human beings, they really do have problems. Death, divorce, uh, different kinds of situations occur to people uh, that cannot be solved by money. But in business, uh, that's not so. And so our job is really to help people understand uh, what, what the problems or issues they're dealing with. And then help them resolve those because we're good. And it, it's not all intellectual property, by the way. It's not just uh, CPAs and attorneys who are uh, selling ideas. I mean, I don't care if you're selling, a, you know, a tractor. I mean, you could be selling anything if it if it is a better way to do it than you're doing it now. That can save you money. That can demonstrate uh, how you're going to save money. And I call that draw a line to the money. You know, here's the product, and here's how much money you're going to save, or here's how much better off you're going to be. If you don't draw a line between those two things, you're going to have a hard time. But that's, listen, I'm, I'm with you. And I just, I just go a step further and say, I'm creating buyers. I want to create buyers because I don't want to have to sell. It's not my job to force you into a situation. I want you to beg to be in my situation instead. Yeah, no, absolutely right. And there's, the, there's an element of, uh, you know, you can, so here's what you're saying. And I, I love this phrase because I think it'll change and shift people's mindset around selling and buying. You know, the saying about you can't, you can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And I agree with that. But you know what you can also do is you can feed the horse pretzels. And the more pretzels you feed the horse, that horse is going to get pretty darn thirsty and they will drink of their own volition. You salt the oats. There you go. Yeah. You give them some salty pretzels and believe me, that horse will drink faster than you can say Johnny on the pony. <laughs> yeah. So let, let's talk about some of the ways... Uh, that somebody uh, takes the stage, you know, whether it's a large stage or even in a boardroom, you know, what are some of the things uh, that people should do? I mean, I've got a bunch of ideas. I'm sure you got a bunch of ideas. What are things that an executive person should do to start to have some command of their environment to get people to buy into their ideas? What, what are some of the things that you see some of the successful people doing? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think there's really four four phases or four stages, not necessarily in any kind of order, but there are four things that we can all do a better job of when we take the stage. One is to gain attention. And then we can also talk about building trust and proving value and then catalyzing action, because that's really the key is to tell them exactly what's going to happen should they decide to take the next step with you. But let's start with gain, gain attention. Gain attention means you cannot afford to look like, sound like, and act like every other speaker or CEO or brand manager or product manager or salesperson. So you have to be contrarian. You have to say what others are either unwilling, unable, or afraid to say, meaning the emperor has no clothes. 
everything you know about topic X is wrong. Now, so here's the other thing that I think a lot of people, both professionals, well, let speakers, me, let me, wait, wait, let, let me, let me ask you something about this. Sure. Uh, I do tend to be contrarian and I do tend to see things that other people do not see. But I also think you don't want to do that for the sake of doing it. You don't want to be contrarian for the sake of being contrarian because you'll end up saying dumb things and, and make people mad. I mean, if you, well, you don't want to really make stuff up, you don't want to be m- making stuff up or pulling things out of your hat, even if your hat is under your pants. So uh, another way to gain attention with integrity is figure out when people Google your topic, right? All they're going to find is information. And the world does not need more information from any speaker or any executive or anyone. What the world needs is more insight. So whether it's contrarian or not, I'm going to encourage you, don't just share information. Information is a commodity. Information wants to be free. And to a large extent, information is free. What people are hungry for is guidance, advice, insights, recommendations. What's your slant on your topic or your industry or your product or your service? What's your opinion? What's your bias? What's right with the world and what's wrong with the world according to you and your company? That becomes your manifesto. By definition, a manifesto is going to gain attention because it's startling. And people go, oh, wait a second. I haven't heard that before. Wow, this, this guy has some powerful, interesting insights, not just information, not just data, but advice and transformation of you're thinking about it like this. I, I suggest you think about it like that. You're, you, know, you, you think that it's A, B, and C? I'm here to tell you it is E, F, and G. And not just for the sake of being contrarian or gaining attention, for the sake of standing out in your marketplace and being truly and substantially different. Because you can't afford to sound the same, look the same, say the same crap that everyone else is saying. But then you have to be able to take it to the next level. You have to be able to say, and here's how we're going to adapt this idea to your situation. Exactly. Implement it and make a difference. Because a lot of people stop short and they say, you think it's ABC, I think it's DEF. And then they walk away. And that's and- where you build trust. So that's phase two where you build trust. You build trust by showing people, demonstrating, not just talking a good game, but showing people specific uh, strategies, tactics, action steps, practices, principles, and philosophies that you've put into practice that maybe some of your clients and customers have put into practice. And this is where we start tipping into some show and tell. We start tipping into some case studies. We start tipping into some before and after. We start tipping into some testimonials that say, you know, I thought when I first heard Joel's ideas about building a fund, I thought that was crazy talk. Now, $72 million later, I think he might be onto something. So getting quotes, getting showing screenshots, evidence, uh, data to back up, you know, you have to back up what you say. You can't just be contrarian, light, light a whole bunch of fires, then leave the building. You need to show them and prove that what you're saying has some accuracy and validity, uh, even if it's only with your clients or the people who buy from you or, or work with you, but there needs to be indisputable points of proof. That's what I call it with uh, when I, I talk about this, what are the indisputable points of proof? So I once worked with a healthcare CEO, Joel, and, and he said, well, David, you know, 
I used to work with this big market research data company in the healthcare field, and I would interview about 100 healthcare and hospital CEOs every year for the last 20 years. So I have 2,000 of these interviews under my belt. Do you think I should talk about that data in my presentation? And I started laughing. I was like, uh, yes, hello, that's a gold mine. Because now you're getting it straight from the source, straight from the horse's mouth. It's not anecdotal information. It is 2,000 in-person interviews mm. over the last 20 years with hospital and healthcare CEOs just like you. And that was his audience. He was in the healthcare space. So the, you know, no one's going to argue with their own data. This is what your people are telling me. Here's what's working. Here's what's not working. Here's how to fix it. Here's what works. Here's what doesn't. And uh, he wasn't going to use that information, Joel. Can you believe that? No, that's unbelievable. So what you're really saying is it's not tell me, it's show me. And, and that really, so it's not like I went to this college and got this degree and studied all these things. You know, your ability to apply uh, material to another situation tells people everything that they need to know. So when you're on the stage and you say uh, something, you tell a story about a situation and a solution, that more than anything helps people understand uh, a lot about your capability. Here's another thing that I have found to be incredible. We live in a world where video, not just being on stage, but another form of speaking is actually being on camera and putting it on YouTube or Vimeo or one of the other platforms, I do this thing, uh, I call it Dear Abby videos. So uh, people will write me and they'll ask me a question. Hey, Joel, I want to, how do you do this? And I'll just turn on the camera and I'll answer that one question for three to five minutes and I'll publish it. And, and now having been doing this for, you know, for six or eight months now, I've got a pretty substantial library of these little Dear Abby videos. Is that something that you see corporate executives doing? I mean, does it apply to those kind of people or is that something that's a little cheesy in the corporate world? No, I think it totally applies. And I, I don't see people doing it a lot and they should. And here's the other thing, by the way, for any executive and there's huge giant companies that send out dozens and dozens of their executives to conferences and conventions and expos all over the world. There's no speaker website for these executives. These executives, not only do they not have the Dear Abby kind of videos, which would be a great idea, they don't even have a speaker demo reel, but yet they're going out there as the face and the voice of their company. And I think this is a huge missed opportunity that if your corporation, no matter how large or small, if you got more than 10, 15, 20 people and you're sending people out to speak on behalf of your company, you need to have an internal speaker bureau website right there on your main website. It says speakers or expertise or experts on demand or call it something like that. And then in there, just like an entrepreneurial speaker, like Joel has a one sheet and a video. I have a one sheet, a speaker packet and a video. Your executive speakers need the primer video, need the one sheet. They need to professionalize and package their expertise. And I'll tell you why, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast right here, right now, you have a huge edge on the world. You got the inside track right here with my man, yes, Joel Block. That's right. Because 99% of companies of every size are not doing this. And I'm going to add one more keyword. They're not doing it yet. So if you're the first one to professionalize your executive team 
as true experts in your industry. I love what Joel said, no matter what you sell, it could be swimming pools or accounting services or, or trucking or plumbing or whatever. If you professionalize your executives, starting with your owner, president, CEO, and going down to your top team, maybe five, six, seven people that go out, and this could be even local. This is going out and speaking at your local chamber all the way to speaking on the big platforms where Joel and I sometimes speak in front of two, 3,000 people. Doesn't matter. Professionalize your speaker sales force. That's what we call it, by the way. It's a speaker sales force because huh. these folks go out and they do one-to-many prospecting, lead generating, and selling, and it's the most effective way to get the word out about what you do, and it magnetizes your company as the leading company, the premier company, the preeminent company in your niche or industry. It's God, I, I can't imagine that every company would not want to do this, or at least that a company in every industry would grab onto the opportunity to go first. You know, I, I get that not everybody wants to speak. Not everybody wants to be in front of the room and not everybody's good at this. And some of these skills come easier to some people than other people. I, I get all that. Uh, and actually, David, one of the things that's been kind of funny is that there are companies that have recently been calling uh, me. I don't know if this happens to you. Maybe it happens to some of our colleagues. I'm going to ask around and see what other people say. But they've been asking, would you be our spokesperson? Could we have you speak for us not as an employee of our company, but like as a representative of our company when you're out there and then help us drive leads, help us to accomplish whatever the goal is that they have because maybe they don't have the skills. So, uh, I mean, I, I listen, I love the idea of a little speaker bureau internally uh, where they can send people out. I love professionalizing people. I love the idea. Let's just give a couple of suggestions. If you're uh, the CEO of the company, you don't come out and start by, hello, my name is... Uh, Bill Smith, and I'm the CEO. So how do you start? Just give us a couple of ideas. Sure. I'm in on a couple of things. And let's wind down because this is this would be a couple of great things that we could leave people with. Absolutely. So I just worked with the CEO of a financial services company. And he, he his speech originally started, we work with high net worth, blah, 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 and we, you know, lost me in the first 10 seconds. <laughs> in the middle of his speech, Joel, he talks about a client of his who came to him with initially just a few hundred thousand dollars of portfolio. After working with him, uh, I think was able to retire with something like $4.4 million. There's just a dramatic turnaround in a very short period of time. So here's how he now starts that speech. Joe Anderson, multimillionaire. Joe Anderson, like you, did not think he was a multimillionaire. In fact, when we first started working together, he wasn't. Now you're in the middle of the story, right? So think about a movie or a movie trailer. A movie trailer never starts, once upon a time, there was a guy and he had a dog and it starts right in the middle. It starts with the explosion or the car chase or the movie star busting through a wall or something. As soon as you say Joe Anderson, multimillionaire, he, like you, now it's relevant to the audience, right? Why am I listening to Joe Anderson's story? Because I brought you into it in the first 10 seconds. He, like you, didn't think he was a multimillionaire. In fact, when he came to me, he wasn't. And now we're telling a story. We're doing the classic story structure that has the beginning, the middle, the end, the hero's journey, the ups, the downs, all of that great stuff. That is a compelling opening. And you know what? It, yeah. puts, the, it puts the spotlight in the right spot, which is not on you, but on the hero of the story, which is your client. 
And you're well, just Yoda. You're just Yoda helping this little guy along on his way to success. David, I'll tell you, you know what I call that? I, 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 I actually have a name for that. I call it the James Bond opening. Because if you've ever been to a James Bond movie, and most all of us have, you know, he doesn't start off by saying, hello, my name is James and I'm a spy and uh, I live in London and, and ladies like me and blah, blah, blah. You know, that he jumps out of a helicopter, skis down a mountain, bombs are going off. He's doing this, doing that. And the audience, by the end of two minutes, you're completely exhausted in the first two minutes. And, and then there's, there's no chance you're leaving. You're not even going to go to the bathroom in that movie. I, you know, you, you can't leave. And, and then when he gets to the bottom of the mountain, Bond, James Bond, and then, he, and then you learn about him. But, you know, uh, that's, that's the James Bond opening. And it doesn't have to be as dramatic as jumping out of a helicopter. It can be Joe Anderson. I mean, which is just perfect. That, that's, that's the other thing. And, and here's, let me just leave one other thing that, uh, that I've learned. Um, your goal as a speaker, at least my goal, if you want to sell something, and this is people who are sellers that you're not pitching from the stage. You're not saying go to the back of the room and start giving me your credit card and buy stuff, but you want to set the stage for we can help you to solve the problems that you have. In other words, whatever uh, issues you have, we're going to turn them into expenses and make them go away. Your goal is to get the people to fall in love with you, trust you, like you, uh, want to do business with you, want to take you home. They want more of you when they leave that place. They go, that guy really knew what he's talking about. And if you can accomplish that, see, so you do the great opening, the James Bond opening, and then you get them to fall in love, these people will, uh, they will follow you. I mean, how many, how many of these kind of executive guys, I know you work with these kind of people. Have you turned a lot of these guys around and ladies and helped them to be better uh, communicators and do what they do? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the key is to get them to take the spotlight off themselves and onto the client. The best story is a client story. The best example is a client example. The best lessons learned are lessons that your clients learned in working with you, investing with you, buying from you. And it's a transformational story. It's a story about here's how it started. Here's what they wrestled with. Here was the pits of despair. Here was the struggle. Here's the victory. Here's the outcome. Here's the ultimate destination where they are today. The biggest turnaround when you say, can, can you turn executives and CEOs around? You know, strong-willed, strong-minded people, even if they're good people on the inside, they can be very egotistical. And getting them to take the spotlight off themselves, number one, it makes delivering that speech a lot easier and a lot less stressful, a lot more fun. It makes them a more engaging speaker. And more importantly, most important, I know you're going to love these words, makes them into a high converting speaker. And that's yeah. what we all want to be. You don't want to be a great speaker, my friends. You want to be a high converting speaker. Well, and let, that let's gig. clarify that. It's not just about converting something into a sale. Great speakers cause changes in behavior. They get people to take action of some kind. And so when you're talking about conversion, you're talking about converting them from one action to another, not necessarily Correct. run to the back of the room with a credit card. That's exactly right. right. I mean, you could, you could be selling a very expensive, significant solution that may be too complicated to explain to an audience because sure. it's, it's a one-on-one -on -one kind of discussion. So, but just getting them to say, you know what, I want an appointment and get them to raise their hand and say, I want to talk further with you my company's been looking for exactly what you're talking about. That's exactly right. Your help. 
most, in fact, most of my clients, the sale does not happen in the room because it's too big a ticket, right? Yeah, so right. What they want when we talk about conversion is exactly what you're talking about. They want more appointments. They want more demos. They want more strategic partners. They want more leads to convert into uh, appointments on the calendar. They want more opportunities to ha- open conversations, not close deals, right? Language really important here. You don't want to convert people into a closed sale and knock them down and, you know, kick them when they're down and so on. You want to have more opportunities to open more great conversations with great fit prospects. Well, I'll tell you what. Leads, appointments, demos, and sales. That's where it's at. If these executives and entrepreneurs want more of those things, then they need more David Newman. So listen, David, thank you for being a guest on the show. This has been a great discussion. Uh, Your contact information will be in the show notes and everybody will have access to that. I encourage you to get a hold of David. Uh, He can really make a big difference. He has done a lot of of good for me. David, thank you for being a good friend. And uh, I'll look forward to seeing you here uh, in the near future. Thank you, Joel. I appreciate you, buddy. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. How about a shout out and a giant thanks to my podcast producer, David Wolf, and his team at Podcast and Radio Networks. Profit from the Inside simply wouldn't be what it is without David and his team. For more information or to learn how you can launch and produce your own podcast, reach out to podcastandradio.com. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.